Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Smith. No matter what goal you're working towards, I hope to show you that Chasing Health does not have to be a difficult or scary ordeal. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things related to becoming a best version of yourself, whether that's through nutrition, fitness, mindset, or life topics in general, we've got you covered. All right, let's not waste any more time and dive right into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable. We have got another Q&A today. We're talking a lot about macros, a couple other little questions mixed in here as well, but a lot of questions regarding macronutrients, so your protein, your carbs, your fats, things like that. But back again today with Brevin and Chris. What's up, guys? What's up? What's going on, everyone? Honestly, what I think we should do is we should start recording like the first 30 minutes that we talk. I think we'd create a pretty good podcast for that, too. <laughs> I feel like we could probably have like two podcasts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like just yeah, all we have our we have our lifestyle podcast <laughs> where we just talk and then we have the actual podcast where we answer questions. <laughs> I don't know. I, I We're really like... missing another demographic here. I, I don't know. I think that could get a little bit. We're going to have to, like, you know, change our names on that other podcast. <laughs> right. Go incognito. People can't know who we are. Um, but some really good questions today. Excited to dive into these. So let's get started right away. We'll see how many of those these we can get through in 30 minutes. So number one. How do you find a balance and a healthy awareness of food quality and clean ingredients and food freedom? What does awareness, or excuse me, when does awareness cross over into fear when there are legitimate issues with certain food additives? For example, clinically, it would be said that I border on orthorexia, which for those who don't know, orthorexia is basically the obsession of eating clean and just having a very clean lifestyle and eating clean, working out a lot, like just all diet focused, like really heavily. And I continue what she, her question was, yet realistically, I just enjoy feeling good. Which do you all want to start with that one? I'll take this one. Okay. So the first thing that really stands out here for me is, is kind of the, the almost like self-diagnosis of like, Hey, this is where I think I am to me. That means that we should probably go talk to someone and work through some of these things. Because when I read that, the very first thing I see is like, Hey, this is where I think I'm at. I've already looked into it. I've already seen it a little bit in myself, but that's, that's not a fun thing to be like, yep, that that's where I'm at. It, it's not a bad thing. It's okay. We've all been there. There's everyone's got their own issues, but I think that is the time where I would say, Hey, let's go talk to someone who deals with this on a daily basis. Let's go talk to a therapist. Let's work through some of these things because it seems like you want this, this healthy food freedom relationship with food, but you're very afraid of a lot of these other things. Um, some of the other wording in here, clean ingredients, um, additives. Um, those are things that on that orthorexic scale that would cause that red flag to come up a little bit for me. Um, now, again, I think that you you want that healthy relationship with food and, and the food freedom, but I don't think that we're there yet. Um, so I, I think the first thing is just building awareness and, and saying like, hey, this is actually where I'm at. Like the first step to being able to fix a problem is knowing that there actually is a problem, right? So I think that we we understand that, that it's there. And then I think we also have to know, like, what is our goal? Where do we want to get? What does food freedom actually look like? Well, 
my definition of food freedom is never being controlled by the food. It's knowing that in any situation you are in control. You're not having any sort of emotional reaction to the food that you're eating. You're not having a reaction to someone saying something about what you're eating. Um, you're being able to enjoy the food that you want to. Um, you're able to say yes or no to the food in any situation. Again, the you're in control. The food isn't in control of you. And right now, it seems like we're not quite there. Yeah, I I look at it this way too. Like you say um... – where is it like the awareness of like clean ingredients i mean in the u.s there's really no such thing as like clean ingredients i'm just going to be honest with you as sad as that sounds yeah. I, I was stationed in germany and lived in you know europe like their food is like 10 times better than ours like Dude, stuff we... that's served here in the u.s like it's illegal like for them to serve that stuff in other countries i i, I don't change? mean to interrupt i don't mean to interrupt but i just want to like add to that yeah. I love to hear that. I think it's very interesting because, Brevin, when you agree, like in Australia, like food quality was just like 10 times higher than the U.S. all the way around. Yeah, the, the portions weren't as big, but it was it was a lot better quality food, I think, especially when we're eating out. Yeah. Yeah. Even at McDon like McDonald's over in Germany, like the, the food quality there even was was better. Um, but I think. You know, so being mindful of that. And I think like I want to touch base on the whole balance part, because I know the person that, you know, asked this question um, obviously has some food sensitivities and stuff that she's working through and reintroducing right now. So she probably feels like her a little handcuffed right now. There's not a lot of food freedom. And I think the most important part about this is that you understand that this isn't something where you have to, you know, eat that way forever. Like in the first like 21 days, 30 days of you know, this elimination process and things like that. Like, I, I want you to picture of like that into like this bucket number one of foods, right? And I was explaining this to Chase the other day. And I think this is the best way that I can explain it to anyone that has gone through uh, food sensitivity or feel like you just don't have this food freedom and you're afraid to go to and uh, venture into these other areas. But like when you have bucket number one, those are like those foods that you ate in, you know, that first like 21, 30 days that like you feel so amazing. Those are like your superfoods. They feel you. They don't cause any inflammation, they, you know, anything like that. That's bucket number one. Like bucket number three, and I'm going to skip over to bucket number three right now, are probably things where you eat eat those foods and they just make you feel awful. Like you're like, I literally do not, I don't ever want to feel that way ever again. So that's like bucket number three. Write down all of those foods in bucket number three. Bucket number two are foods like, you know what? I really enjoy this food. Maybe the scale spikes up a little bit. Maybe like I feel a little bloated, but it's tolerable. Like that's bucket number two. And you're going to eat those things like once a week, once every other week. But just having this mindset that like I'm only going to eat out of bucket number one. I'm only going to eat those foods that fuel me. It's just not realistic. It's not sustainable. And you have it's it's going to cause a lot of issues with that food freedom and that relationship with food. You have to learn to venture into the bucket number two and maybe even bucket number three, once a month or something like, let's say ice cream, like, Oh, I just hate the way I feel about when I eat this, but I freaking love ice cream. I'm going to eat it once, you know, once a month and just enjoy it and pay the consequences when I sit on the toilet for 30 minutes, whatever that looks like for you. Like, but like bucket number two, Two, you have to venture into develop that food freedom and improve that relationship with food. That's how you're going to find that balance there. Yeah. And I think you both kind of really covered it really well. I think the one thing I would add to that is just like, stay really curious. 
like just always like you know it, and i i think there is definitely a line that can be crossed into like this you know orthorexia area and but i i so i, th- I encourage you like what chris said like you know try the other things and try new things try new foods like stay curious because where the issue arises is if we continue to remain where we're at, refusing to make any progress forward and try new things. That's when it can get a little bit complicated. So I would encourage you to try new things and figure out what's going to work best for your body. Like you're, you're never going to know unless we try. And yes, you know, I never want to downplay someone that says, you know, they feel really good. Like I understand that, but you also don't know how good you could still feel with, you know, 30 more types of foods in, into your diet. So I think it's just important to stay curious and keep moving forward with it as well. Yeah. I think the only foods that you should ever never have in your diet are the foods that you are um, allergic to foods you don't like or foods that just make you feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Like pickles. What? Pickles are gross. You're crazy. I'm going to keep those out of my diet. They're <laughs> disgusting. Super crazy. <laughs> That's a great snack for a deficit. <laughs> I've got that my entire life and I don't care. I've tried them and they're still not good. I have a client I talked to the other day. I was like, she's, you know, reintroducing stuff. And I was like, what are some things that you really want? She's like, pickles. <laughs> like, All right. Well, let's do that. One of my friends, have... when she, she was pregnant, she had um, pickle cravings. Like that was like her one food. She was like, I just wanted to eat pick- like jars and jars and jars pickles all the time <laughs> I just i just feel like at that point like you got to branch out a little bit. you could be more creative pickles are not the food to be like yep i want to eat a bunch of them hey man like i've heard those pregnancy cravings are a little wild sometimes you never know what you're gonna get <laughs> i'm just i'm just concerned for that baby <laughs> too many pickles with that client and like you're gonna crush your deficit. Like if you love pickles that much, like you're gonna crush your deficit. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I liked them more, but it just, I guess it makes me not want to eat. So <laughs> awesome, well, cool. Brevin, what's number two? Stacy, when eating the appropriate amount of protein and adding in the necessary fiber, it doesn't leave a lot of room for higher carb sources. What are the better choices for carbs, excluding wheat products? And it is. And is it better to eat those carbs before working out or after? So I would say like, you know, first to answer the last question, I would, you know, I love that you're talking about when to work these carbs in, if you are going to have those. And I would try to work a good bit of those, you know, or almost like I'd say the majority before the workout, but also you want to make sure you're having some as well afterwards for recovery standpoint. But when it comes to the carbs, you know, a lot, I mean, you have to remember, like, you're also going to get carbs from, um, and I know you're asking for higher carb sources. So like there are some fruits that can have higher carbs. There are some uh, veggies that can have higher carbs as well. Um, rice is another really good option as well um, that we could work into our diet with. Um, and and I, and I get what you're saying as far as like the protein and the fiber, like it, you're not super hungry. Like, but then again, like I also look at like, you know, a lot of high fiber foods are also going to have, are coming from some carb sources as well. So it's kind of like maybe we look at what type of fiber foods we're looking at or having in our diet to get the fiber in that are also contributing to the carbs as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what do you like? You yeah. know, I, I I love we have a, a coach that I love what she did with her clients is like 
she just had her list out like what are the foods that you absolutely love and i think it goes back to like people just over over complicate this a little bit like all right well what are some carb sources you like i love sweet potatoes like, sweet I remember, potatoes are amazing yes are. you put a little brown sugar they're so, in them, they're so versatile okay now yes. you sound like Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, let's eat a sweet potato. She's like, do we have marshmallow in it? I'm like, okay. No, sure. Brevin, let's Brevin <laughs> tell the people the best way to eat sweet potatoes, which I haven't had in a long time. I just thought about that. So like sweet potato fries. Like no. Or sweet potatoes with chicken and uh, peanut butter and hot, sauce. and hot sauce. I had that a couple days ago. It sounds so it weird. Was- but and the first time I saw Brevin make it, it looked the most disgusting thing I've ever seen inside of a bowl. And he was like, you just have to try it. I very reluctantly it's all tried foods it. You like, and I'm addicted. <laughs> okay, but it's let funny. Me I haven't you had this. it for a while. Do you, do you like like the, the spicy peanut sauce? It's that? on like Thai food. No, we, we need to, we need to get you to branch out. <laughs> We're going to get you to try some new foods. I got a list. Um, <laughs> Have you guys had it with caramel, like uh, where you dip like the French fr- uh, sweet potato fries in, in caramel? I haven't had it in oh, caramel, but so I've good. I've seen like a there was like a brown sugar slash butter slash like some type of like whipped butter. Basically, you dip the fries into definitely not yeah. macro friendly stuff. <laughs> but I'm going to so put good. down a statement right now and I want to hear you guys' opinion. I think potatoes are the most underrated and underutilized carb out there oh yeah you can there's so many types of potatoes and you can do so many different things with them and make them so many different ways and if you aren't having potato especially if you're dieting because they're constantly rated as the number one most satiating carb if you're not having those all the time you're missing out i agree with you absolutely agree with you i I, this is my test when you really truly love something like eat it for like four months straight, three times a day. And if you still love it after that, that is the true test of that. You love that food. And I did that with sweet potatoes. I, when I competed, it was in my meal plan. Like I had a very strict meal plan. It was, and I ate like two sweet potatoes every day for four months. And on my, on my day that I competed, I had to eat six of them and I still ate them after I competed. I loved them. That's when I was like, Sweet potatoes is my jam. They they just we just belong together. So I think that's going to Stacy's question. Like, I think like you know that is probably one of the better ones. Is potatoes like Brevin said is very underrated. Um, but when it comes to like when it comes to carb lo- you know carb loading and before and after your workouts, yes, it's important to have a good workout. I don't. I think to go in there with uh you know eating a carb source 30 minutes or so before you work out or an hour, whatever you makes you feel best. I, in my opinion, like, Oh, what, what do you eat before your workout for the best workout? Whatever makes you feel that way. Like there's some people that love fasted workouts. I don't, I, I can't do it. I'll never get that. But there are some people that do, you have to figure out what you like, what you enjoy the best. And maybe that's like, you have a really good workout, take inventory of that. What did I eat? you know, recently that like made me feel this work, you know, feel this workout the best. Um, so I think going that route with it, but I'm not really big on like, you know, Oh, you have to do this or you have to eat 30 minutes after your workout or an hour after your workout. I I just don't think it's really necessary for what you're, you're trying to achieve. Um, this person individually, um, if you're, if your goal is just fat loss, you have 30, 40 pounds that you want to lose. And you're not just doing this for performance. 
then it's really not important. As long as yeah. you're getting your macros in throughout the day, your, your body is going to use that as fuel. Yep. Yeah. At the end of the day, it comes down to what I call the 90% and the 10%. The 90% is your total calories for the day, your, your total carbs and, and stuff like that for the day. Um, your meal timing, your meal frequency, your supplements, those things are going to get you maybe the last 10% of the way, but unless you've already accomplished the other 90%, you're missing the forest for the trees there. Um, and then with this, the, the first thing that kind of stands out to me is like, well, where, where are your total calories at? If your calories are just low, if you're dieting, you're just going to have lower carbs. Like that's the easiest one to pull out. Now, again, we're not saying go low carb, um, but you have to have at least a minimum threshold of fats for the most part. Um, protein is going to be the most important. The easiest one to pull out is going to be your carbs, some of those higher carb sources. So if you're not dieting and you're just eating low calorie, then, hey, maybe we have more calories and have more freedom. Um, so just about knowing like where we're at in the in the phase and stuff like that um, during different phases, we're going to have different goals as far as our nutrition. We're going to have different amounts of the food that we can eat during that time. If you're at maintenance or in a surplus, like you're going to have a lot more carbs. If you're dieting, you're probably going to have some less carbs. Mm hmm. Exactly. Well, Chris, what's number three? And I feel like this kind of like rolls right into our next question here from Robin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Robin asked, what important role do carbs play in nutrition? Um, context, this question is from you've heard your whole life, bread and potatoes are bad. Um, what happens when carbs are cut from your our nutrition and how does it affect us? Who wants to take that? I'll take this. Uh, when Go you ahead. cut carbs from your diet, you lose the will to live. No, oh, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, but but in all honesty, uh, great news for you. You don't have to cut out carbs. You don't have to cut out um, potatoes. You don't have to cut out bread. You 1000% can enjoy those things and see amazing progress because we know this one underlying rule to everything in nutrition, calories. If you're in a calorie deficit, even if you're only eating McDonald's and your entire calorie deficit, you might not feel the greatest, but you're still going to lose weight. <laughs> Let's make sure we're not doing that, but just an extreme <laughs> example here. Um, but what happens when you pull them out? Carbs are your body's preferred fuel source. Um, so if you take them out, you're going to have less overall energy to do things. Part of the reason why, why you are in a deficit, especially when like Chris was doing bodybuilding, I'm sure his carbs got very low. He had brain fog. He was tired, lethargic. His workouts weren't as good. His pumps weren't as good in the gym. Um, you just start to not feel as good. Um, but when you have higher carbs, you feel pretty good. You feel have like you have more energy. Your performance in the gym is fantastic. Like all the positive things. Um, so again, it really comes down to knowing that carbs are okay to eat. You should eat them. They're your body's preferred fuel source. When you don't eat them, you are going to be tired, lethargic, and not have very much energy. Yeah. This is my, I want to get this in there before I forget this because I'll forget. Um, but this is my take on it. When people try like going low carb and I, I hear this all the time is, oh yeah, I started removing all my carbs. I feel so much better. I have so much more energy. And I'm like, the reason you feel that way, though, is because you were just consuming all of the shit carbs, excuse my yep. French, um, that, that like were draining your energy. So now like you feel like you have more energy, but we all know what's going to come is that crash. You event your body eventually is going to be like, OK, where's my energy? Where, like, I need these carbs again. And that's where the cravings, the hunger comes in and you live in that cycle, that binge cycle that we talk about. Um, so like. 
I, I, think, I think that's where people go wrong is they're like, oh, well, whenever I go low carb, I just feel so much better. Well, no, you would feel absolutely amazing if you were actually eating. I'm not going to say the right carbs because there's really no such thing as right, right or wrong carbs. Higher quality. Higher quality. Carbs. Exactly. Well, yeah. Because what do people think of? Most people without a nutritional background, when you say carbs, people think of like French fries, donuts, cake, like all those things yeah. that are fats high sugar, high carbs, highly palatable foods. These things are going, of course, you're going to feel like shit when you're eating these kind of foods. But when you're, if you swap it out for, when we actually say carbs, we're talking about sweet potatoes, rice, potatoes, grains, things like that. That is a different type of carb. We're not talking about these things that are with all the other things that are going to make you feel like crap. Yeah. I think having that definition is very, very big. And I also think like, like you said, once you, when you, quote unquote, cut carbs out and you're not eating cake and all, all that other stuff all the time. Well, you also probably are now in a calorie deficit and have lost a little bit of weight. One side effect of losing weight is having a little bit more energy because you're not eating those shit. You probably cut so many calories out by doing that. Now, again, we are not telling you to cut carbs. And if you completely cut carbs, you're going to end up binging. Yeah. That is yeah. almost a guarantee. If you just be like, yep, I can't have carbs. Be like, well, when you get presented with that cake, instead of having one piece and controlling yourself, you're eating that entire cake. And yep. I don't say this to, you know, boast or anything, but I'm sure that we've, between all of us, we've coached over hundreds, hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. And there is no difference. And I've seen in my own clients of, if I have some, I have females that are 50 years old, 140 pounds, 50 pounds, eating 200 grams of carbs, and they lose just as much weight as the ones that are eating 80 to a hundred because, you know, they're type one or type two diabetes, or like they just, they need to be a little bit lower in carbs. There's no difference in weight loss or body composition there. Like, go ahead. And that's why like, we don't focus on those. Like most of our clients, when they're counting calories, we're focused on calories and protein. Like I don't even look like, look at their carbs and fats. Like I'll look at it when they first start, because some people that come from like a low carb background, they'll just like, uh, kind of like just unintentionally, like, you know, like Robin said, like we're told all of our life that bread and potatoes are bad. So a lot of times they will restrict all the carbs. So if I see that, that's when I might start looking at setting a carb goal just to make sure we're getting some intention behind that. But for the most part, I'm just like, just eat, hit your calories, hit your protein. Get, have a good day. <laughs> I'll give even more of an extreme example. I have some power lifters, some power lifting girls who are 148 pounds eating 350 grams of carbs a day and they're fucking jacked and strong as hell like carbs are are good you need carbs especially if you're trying to create a body composition change and build muscle Mm -hmm. right and also i want to also highlight this with carbs as well for those of you who also have gone low carb in the past and you see like the just the weight just falls right off of you it's because carbs hold on to glycogen which holds on to water in your body and so when you get rid of all the carbs out of your body, then you're getting rid of the glycogen, which is letting go of all this water weight, which is why you see this big drop. It's not body fat. It is all water weight that you're seeing in that first big drop. Just like when we start increasing carbs back. Like I've even told clients, like, you know, when we're reversing out of a, um, out of a deficit, going back to maintenance, sometimes when, you know, sometimes there'll be carbs that are reintroduced. And I'm like, Hey, like if the scale goes up a smidge, like a pound or so, like don't freak out. It's because you're holding on to more water now. It's not, but you're gaining body fat. And I also think that we need to repeat it one more time. Like when you say I'm cutting out carbs and you cut out all of the processed shit that you're eating, 
you're probably in a pretty big calorie deficit. That also helps being in a massive calorie deficit. So like, I think knowing what carbs are and just having a basic understanding of what a carb is and what we're talking about. When we're talking about eat carbs. It's not just go and eat as much cake as you want. Hey, let's eat some fruits and veggies. Let's eat some potatoes. Let's eat some, um, some whole wheat bread. Let's eat some of these things. Well, yep. that's where, I mean, that's where people went wrong all these years of like thinking like, oh, carbs are bad is because the you have these people that tried keto and the moment they removed it, like they put them into a calorie deficit. And it's like, well, no kidding. Like if you look at the carb context from a bowl of a hundred, 150 calories in broccoli compared to a, you know, a, a little Debbie or anything like that. Like, yeah, you take those little Debbies out, you take that cake out. Like Brevin said, it's going to put you in a caloric deficit. And then they start to associate this as like, oh, carbs are bad. Like yeah. I'm losing weight when I eat, when I don't eat carbs. So they just, that's, that's the association there. Yep, exactly. Like awesome. So number four, Robin also asked examples of healthy and less healthy fats and what are their roles in our nutrition? Chris, what you got? So, or, or Revan, go ahead. I was going to start with what, what are the roles in our nutrition? Um, the role of fats and in, in nutrition are really two main important things. Number one is going to be the vitamin and mineral absorption. There are fat-soluble vitamins that we need enough uh, dietary fat on board to help with the absorption of those. Um, so making sure that we're not becoming deficient in some of these vitamins. Um, and number two is going to be overall hormone health. Um, dietary fats are the backbone of hormones. So we need to make sure we have enough dietary fats on board. Um, especially for females, you need to make sure that you're not limiting fats too much because hormones play such an important role in your overall health. Now, guys, it does too, um, females to a bigger degree. Um, so making sure that we at least have a minimum of uh, fats. I don't generally like to drop uh, people below like 45, 50 grams of fat. Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, healthy sources, I just, I look at like polyunsaturated, monounsaturated fats, uh, you know, unsaturated fats. I think like standard is around like for saturated fats, it's like 10% of your caloric intake should come from saturated fats is by rule of thumb. But I agree with Brevin um, right around that range. It's actually why we, you know, like Chase said a little earlier about like, we don't really track calorie carbs and fats. I mean, yeah, we'll look at them and make sure that you're getting enough to support, you know, hormone health. And, you know, like there's obviously a lot of benefits of them, but naturally like let your carbs and fats fall where they fall. Um, and that that's really why we just focus on calories and protein in our program. Yeah. And I think just to give some like actual examples as well, like when we look at like unsaturated fats, there's like your olive oils, your um, avocados, nuts, seeds, you know, a lot of you like your fattier fishes, things like that. And then like your saturated fats are things like, you know, butter, margarine, fried foods, um, you know, the, like the really fattier like pieces like beef and like all the processed stuff with like high fat contents. And then like, you know, like the little W cakes you mentioned earlier, like those things are the more saturated side of fats and um, both have their time and place. But again, we want to really focus on mostly the unsaturated fats. Yeah. And I think and we we don't classify food as healthy or unhealthy here, but you know what we're talking about when we say, what are the more unhealthy fats? Yep. Like what are the more unhealthy foods or what are the, the more healthy foods? Like you intuitively know that like the fried food is probably not great, but like the avocado is probably pretty good. 
like every basic white girl loves avocado toast. Like we, we know intuitively these things are a little bit better. You don't like avocado toast. I love it. I have to be in the mood. For avocado it. toast with a, with a, a nice egg on top of it. it. Give me a pumpkin spice latte. I'm in white girl heaven. <laughs> I, I, I will eat it occasionally. I'm just, I'm not a huge avocado fan, which is funny. I mean, but the only time, the only time I really actually do like avocado is in guacamole. Um, but other than that, that's about it. See, I can only eat it if it's mushed up. I, I cannot eat it if it looks like an apple. Really? I, like I, when they have the little slices of it. This, this, no, no. It needs to be smushed up. It needs to have a lot of pepper on it. <laughs> Interesting. I think it's just that, a texture I'm, thing for me, too. It's just yeah, uh, the, the texture I mean, of avocado. I'm just, I don't know. Um, that's why there has to be a lot of pepper on it and egg. I won't eat just the avocado piece. There's got to be something on top of it. <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe I really don't like avocados all that much, but like <laughs> I still enjoy that meal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, how about I know we're kind of running a little bit close on this 30 minute mark here. We have like probably five, six more minutes, but I feel like let's kind of just combine five and six and we can probably kind of um, talk more about this as well. Um with that being said, um, Brevin, what do we got here? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and read both five and six, and we'll just kind of take it from there. Um, so number five is Adam. He says, I weigh 260 uh, pounds, and you asked me to eat 177 grams of protein. Um, first, why? Uh, second, how do I do that without eating good old tuna every day? Um, and number six is Amanda. What are some overlooked sources of protein? I, along with plenty of others, I'm sure struggled to consistently hit my protein goal. I used to rely on more than one shake daily. Now I have three to four a week since I know the value of choosing whole foods before supplements. What are some of the hacks to get the protein in? Thank you. Both of those are amazing questions. Um, I also love that you are knowing the benefit of whole foods. Chris. Yeah, I think the simple answer is just eat more tuna. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong answer. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, not a huge um, of tuna. <laughs> uh, obviously, there you know the benefits of protein help maintain muscle mass. Uh, it's going to keep you satiated a lot longer. Like, totally understand. It's probably the biggest shocker when somebody comes into our program, and I'm sure you can relate. Brevin is like, you want me to eat how much protein? You know, <laughs> that's when we factor. see, <laughs> right. Yeah. In the first week, we, you know, we build that awareness. Like we have our clients just track, let's just see where you're at. And typically what I see is like 250 grams of carbs and like 40 grams of protein. Yeah. And then and, you tell them how much you eat and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, we need to balance that out actually. Um, so typically, yeah, we slowly build you up, you know, and that's, part of it as well. Like it's not, don't go from like eating 50 to 170, but a good rule of thumb is, you know, 0.7 grams of protein for every pound of body weight or 0.7 to one gram per pound of body weight, but start somewhere small. If you're eating 50 or 60 right now, every week, just bump it up 20, 30 grams. And the easiest way and simplest way to do that is just to eat more of what you're already eating. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you have a four ounce chicken breast for dinner, have six or eight. Like that's an extra 20, right? 20 to 30 right there. Um, that's, that's an easy way to do it. Um, his question was, how do I do that without this? The context of this is Adam and I, we kind of go back and we have like a tuna fetish. Uh, we were talking about packets of tuna and his favorite and everything else. Like hickory smoked is my jam uh, out of those, those packets of tuna. But 
easy ways is don't don't overcomplicate it. You know, like I feel there's so many dang animals. Go get elk. Go get bison. Like, go get a damn squirrel. I have some in my cage. You know, in a cage right now. I just the guy just left my. Will you, house will you put have, that recipe have, in in the Facebook group? Yeah. <laughs> How to cook right. squirrel? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many there's so many protein sources out there. If you have to supplement, supplement, but. My rule of thumb is the 80-20 rule, like 80% of your protein intake should come from whole foods, maybe one shake a day, one, um, you know, one bar a day is okay if you have to, you know, use that. But um, those are some hacks there. Otherwise, I'll let you guys talk on that. Yeah, yeah I, for sure. I think, uh, go ahead, Jace. I, I was just going to say, I think when it comes to the protein again, like another thing to look at is like your quality of quality of your protein as well. Like are you eating lean protein sources or are you eating like really fattier pieces of protein as well? That's one big thing I've worked with a lot of my clients is like they're eating like chicken thighs and salmon and, you know, like 80, 20, you know, beef, or they're eating like ribeye steaks or, you know, they're eating like really fatty pieces of pork chops and things like that. Like, and don't get me wrong. Like you, you can have those. I eat those things all, all the time or maybe not all the time, but I eat those foods and but I think one thing you can start doing is changing up your sources to like maybe like some white fish, maybe some leaner ground beef, like 93.7, maybe some chicken breasts, some turkey. Like if you get some of those leaner sources, you're going to be able to get more protein in for less amount of calories as well. And that is usually an easy swap. Like I've had some clients that just come in and, you know, they're eating all those fatter sources of protein. And as soon as we switch to a couple of leaner sources, like their protein just skyrockets where it needs to be at just by, and it's really eating the same foods, just kind of like a, a different type or a different, like, you know, with less fat in it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think like Chris said, the reason people struggle to hit their protein goal is because they 1 million percent overthink it. They think they need to completely reinvent the wheel. So I'm going to give you a couple steps on how to do it. Number one, can you eat more protein per meal? O almost always. Yes. Three or four ounces of protein. You can eat more than that. I promise. You're just not used to doing it. Can you have a better protein source? Can you have a leaner protein source like Chase just talked about? Can you go from 80, 20 ground beef to 90, 10 or 93, seven? That is going to save you a lot of calories and create more protein per calorie. Number three, if you're maxing out both of those, that means you're maxing out what you're doing at each meal. Awesome. Let's add another protein meal, snack, or supplement, um, and, and let's do it that way. Um, another way that I actually had a conversation with the client about this week, and I, I, I'm sure you guys have done this before as well, is like, let's take it from like this big number, this big scary number. Um, let's say 200, a crazy number for most people. Let's divide it let, into each meal. Let's say we're going to eat four meals a day. That's 50 grams of protein at each meal. Awesome. How can we get 50 grams of protein at each meal? Um, mm -hmm. You can have like... I think 50 grams of or 50 grams of protein worth of chicken is like six ounces of chicken. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem too hard. Now, if you have more or less at a meal, well, then you can move your next meals around. Or if you're like 50 is way too much at each meal. Awesome. Let's let's add in a protein snack or a supplement, a shake for right now until we can get you there. Awesome. Now you're like what? 35, 40 grams of protein to each meal. That seems a lot more doable. And you have a goal to hit at each meal. So, you know, like not throughout the day, you don't end the day with like, oh, should I have 120 grams of protein left? I'm no way I'm going to have that. So I think if we break it down to these smaller things that we just stop overcomplicating and stop trying to reinvent the wheel. And we just look at these, these couple steps. Can I have more at each meal? Yes. Can I have a leaner source? 
almost always when you're first starting out uh, because people don't just don't know. And then do we need to add in another meal focused around protein, a supplement, a shake, whatever? And I know Chase has a really good rule that he's talked about on here before is like take the protein in whatever you're looking at times it by 10. If it is greater than or at least equal to the total number of calories, it's a decent protein source. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, I think, think also, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say my little hack too that I find is um, I cut up my chicken like into smaller pieces. I don't know. That just helps me. Like I literally last night I took um, about you scissors. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Eight to 10 ounces of chicken last night and I cut it up and it, it was so easy to eat rather than I'm sitting there. And I know if I had like those two huge chicken breasts sitting in front of me, it's, it's almost just a mind, mind game with, with it. Um, but I put it into a, a chase. You'd love this. Um, I put it into a quesadilla and made two nice. quesadillas out of it. Some salsa and sour cream. It was amazing. Um, nice. So like just cutting it up helps a lot too. Oh, one yeah. last uh, one last tip is to front load protein. Get a lot of protein in before noon. Have a higher protein breakfast. That's where I was going to go with it because I feel like that's something that a lot of people do struggle with. Is when we look at like if we just look at like an American diet, a lot of times with like um, breakfast, it is either like no protein at all, like like cereal or you know like a toast or something like that, or it's like sausage or bacon or things like that, right? Yeah, it's protein, but it's a very fatty piece of protein. So you're getting mostly fat and, and not a lot of protein with it as well. So be very conscious of what you're actually using. Um, oh, and like what other, this is like not really, it just made me think of it because it's kind of a breakfast food, but it also works great for other things. Um, use, and Revan taught me this one, use uh, non-fat plain Greek yogurt for your sour cream. Like that is just another easy way. It's like we used to get Chipotle all the time and like, you know, tell them to hold the sour cream. And then like, when you get home, add a big dollop of that uh, Greek yogurt on it, guys, it tastes, you can't taste the difference. You still get that creaminess taste want, and you know, it doesn't taste like yogurt. And you can get more protein. And honestly, I like, I want to give an example of my breakfast just because I literally had this conversation with a client yesterday. I had five servings of egg whites, two chicken sausages, um, some fat-free cheese and two uh, carb smart tortillas. That was 635 calories and 75 grams of protein to start my day out. Yeah. Hitting protein for the rest of the day was super easy. Yeah. Yep. I, exactly. I will say, I think a lot of people look, look at that meal and be like, there's no way I could ever eat that. Like yep. they get overwhelmed by it. Right. But like that's, that's Brevin's macros. Right. So like for you, it might be different. It might be three eggs or two eggs, um, a breakfast sausage. Right. Like it, I think like, I don't want you to feel like overwhelmed, like, oh, well, Brevin, you're, you know, you're a power lifter. This is whatever, you know, this and that. Like I, I literally eat, and I did this for a client the other day. I was like, I made three eggs. I put some cheese in there, serving of cheese in there. It was like an extra six grams of protein. So it was 24. I had a yogurt with 15 grams of protein. Um, and that was like, it ended up being like 40 grams. And I did that. And I want you to also understand too, like, this is, we're not just sitting here saying also to like, oh, you eat five, six meals a day. Like, but two, three hours later, have the yogurt. If like, that's too much for you, two, three hours later, have the yogurt. There's another 15 grams. Then you're going into lunch and you're at like 40, 50 grams of protein already. Well, and I think a lot of the reason people struggle with um, being able to eat more food is because so many people have come from the background of like, oh, I need to eat as little as possible to survive. 
Like I'm eating a thousand calories a day. Yeah, of course, a meal that's five or 600 calories is going to seem like a lot, but like that's a normal meal for a normal person. Like mm-hmm. we have to break that perception of what meals are for you because meals in the past for you have been 200 calories or let's just skip it. And like, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll have a little bit at dinner and like try to eat the least amount possible. So like give yourself permission to eat the food and watch how much better you feel, how much less you fall off, how much less you binge, how much less you have the cravings for all this other stuff. Like a lot of really positive things start to happen when you give yourself permission and actually start to fuel your body. Yep, exactly. Cool. All right, guys. Well, I think we have answered a lot today. Jesus cutting us off. I am. We're, we're over our 30 minute mark now. Um <laughs> We need to get back to that. I know last week our podcast was great. If you haven't, guys, if you haven't listened to last week's Q&A, like definitely go back and listen to it. Still arguably one of the best ones we've had in a long time. So um, go check that one one. out. We have another question that we're going to hold off until next week, but I hope you guys have a great week. See ya. See you guys. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at changing underscore chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.